Okay, Shalom Aleichem, welcome back to another week of 30 Letters in 30 Days. Our letter tonight is uh, about chinuch, about education, about raising children, and about the future of the children. A very, very universally important subject. But before we jump into this letter, I wanted to just mention a couple of things. First of all, I think I've mentioned in the past that there are groups, specifically of the Noshim Tzitkanias, of the righteous women, who are all over the world making local groups for further study and discussion of these letters. So there may have been other groups, but I was informed of one gathering that took place this past Shabbos in Shul with the Anash of Ermont, New York, up in the Muncie area. And they got together and discussed the week's worth of letters using the discussion packet that we had sent out. We want to give a shout out to Ermont, New York. And if you have a group or you'd like to form a group, let us know. You can contact us at 30letters30days.com. Um, a question came in. We do get feedback at the website. And when there are questions, we will answer them. So a question came in yesterday about the fact that I had mentioned that when the Rebbe is writing to a man, the letter will start with the salutation, Shalom uh, greetings and blessings. And when it's written to a woman, it'll start the opposite. It'll flip it, flip the two words. It'll say, Bracha Vishalom, blessings and greetings. So somebody asked why that is, like, what's that all about? So I will explain to you, actually. Um, there is a story that is recorded in the book, the very fine historical book called Yemei Bereshis, which is about the beginning of the Rebbe's Nesias. And it says over there that a Bacher, Rebbe Eli Gross, who was very close with the Rebbe and had a lot of interactions with the Rebbe, and much of the material in Yemei Breshis are from his journal, from his accounts. Apparently, after Yudshvat, meaning after the Histalkus of the Friedrich Rebbe, after the passing of the previous Rebbe, um, about uh, four or five months later, it was in the summertime, and uh, this, this Bacher, this yeshiva student, brought in a letter to the Rebbe that the previous Rebbe had written to a woman who was in a situation, a, a dire uh, marital type of situation, where she had written to the, the previous Rebbe, and the previous Rebbe had told her to, pers- to pursue a divorce. I guess it was that type of a, a situation, unfortunately. Uh, at any rate... This Bachar was following up on that letter and brought the letter that the previous Rebbe had written to this woman and showed it to the Rebbe that the previous Rebbe had advised her to pursue a divorce. And the Rebbe said, okay, so then we're going to uh, follow up on that and uh, we're going to have somebody speak to her husband and get it taken care of. Um, so while this yeshiva boy, Eli Gross, was speaking to the Rebbe, he said, by the way, I noticed that the way that the previous Rebbe addressed the letter to her was not the typical shalom uvracha, but rather bracha v'shalom. And I'm wondering why. 
So the Rebbe then explained to Ali Gross that that is the way that one writes to a woman. It is an extra layer of, let's call it, precaution. Uh, it is not something that is halachically necessary, but it is beyond the letter of the law, extra sensitivity regarding over-familiarity between genders. And this is based on the Gemarian Kedushin, Daf Lamed Omid Base, which is brought as a halacha in Evan Ezer, Simen Chof Aleph, Sif Vav, which says that a man shouldn't ask a woman how is her, the word that, that Chazal use and that the Shulchan Aruch uses is her shalom. Her shalom means her well-being. In other words, of course you can say hello, but it's considered overly familiar uh, for a man to ask a woman, hey, how are you doing? Are you feeling okay? That type of inquiry is considered to be over the line. So the word shalom itself is not over the line, but as an extra measure of sensitivity, rather than opening and saying shalom, which is it means hello, but it also is like, hey, how is your shalom? Mashlomech, <laughs> what's your, how's your welfare? Um, we don't do that. Rather, we say bracha, but then we don't want to miss the Rebbe told, uh, told Ali uh, Gross, he said, but we don't want the woman to not also get the shalom, because shalom means peace. We want to wish peace upon her. So you say bracha, give her the blessing, and then you say the shalom. So then the shalom isn't like, hey, how's your welfare? How's your well-being? The shalom is more like, you know, peace be upon you. You're wishing her shalom as part of the bracha. The bracha is in conjunction with the shalom. So it's not invasive and, and disrespectful and overly familiar, but it's but the woman doesn't lose out on having the well wishes of, of shalom, of peace. So uh, that's the reason for that. And I think it's probably useful for us to reflect upon the fact that the Rebbe was extremely meticulous about halacha, beyond the letter of the law, and at the same time extremely sensitive about the humanity of the people with whom he was interacting. And I think this is a perfect case in point, where the Rebbe wanted to be extra scrupulous about the concern about overfamiliarity between genders, and at the same time, that a woman should not miss out on a blessing of, of Shalom. And, uh, you know, we mentioned a few letters ago, the Rebbe wrote a letter to uh, Mrs. Hannah Sharfstein, and I mentioned to you that there were times when the Rebbe had written just to her husband, there were times when the Rebbe had written to both of them as a couple, and the letter that we read, the Rebbe wrote directly to Mrs. Sharfstein, a woman. And the Rebbe did, at times, write directly to a woman. And this is because, as, as I mentioned, the, the, the Rebbe didn't consider that the woman is, God forbid, an accessory to her husband, and that her importance is only indirectly through her husband. Uh, a, a woman is, is, is also a chassid. A woman is also worthy of, uh, of, of direct communication when, when the situation calls for it. So just like sometimes you write to the husband and not the wife, sometimes you write to the wife and not the husband. But even at those times, there's extra um, care given to certain things that I guess, you know, particularly in our day, I think people are kind of waking up and realizing how much we need to be aware of these kinds of things and how a person can cross a line and not even realize it. So maybe it would be good for all of us to sort of uh, take this to heart in our own uh, conversations. Okay, so let's jump in to the letter. Here we go. 
Baruch Hashem, Yud Aleph, Marcheshvin, Tov Shin, Tes, Vav. Brooklyn. And uh, we're going to say, Shalom Uvracha. So <laughs> that means to a, let's see if you remember, you have a 50-50 chance of answering correctly. To a man. Okay. So the Rebbe is writing to a man. Um, who is this man? I can tell you from context. I, I don't know the name. The name was redacted. But, uh, and for obvious reasons, the name was redacted because it's not the kind of thing I think someone would be proud of having publicly attached to his name, uh, as we're going to see. But uh, I, I'll tell you what I can gather from the context. This is clearly a member of Anash, meaning this is a Chabad Chassid. This isn't somebody who's an outsider and who's unfamiliar with uh, the standards of the Chabad community. And uh, the tone is slightly harsh, as was uh, a letter that we read a few days ago. So, again, I'm warning you of that. Okay. In response to your letter of Vav Cheshvin. So this is, what, uh, five days later? Uh, yeah, five days later. Fairly quick turnaround, I think. Um, it is self-understood that I'm not at all coming with a complaint. Now, obviously, if the Rebbe has to clarify that he's not complaining, there's something contentious or negative or, let's just say it delicately, something that needs correcting. Okay? If the Rebbe has to clarify that he's not complaining, obviously there's something that may sort of be worthy of complaining about. But the Rebbe clarifies, I'm not complaining, and I'm especially not complaining to your daughter. May she be well. I'm not complaining to you, and I'm not complaining to your daughter. And I wasn't complaining before. Not complaining. Okay. Ella, so rather what? Then what am I doing, or what did I do? Apparently the Rebbe had spoken with this man's daughter. Shemesarti bedibur estsari. I orally conveyed my pain. The pain that I have about the fact that at such a young age, her education is being affected in a way where what? She's starting to think about tachlis. Tachlis means practicality. Like, how are you going to make a living? She's thinking about that. Veloirak lachshev, and not only to think about it, like in an abstract way, ela leshane seder achayim vachinich besechechei anash kede lahadames baanochas ha'elam. Not only she's thinking about it, she's actually changing her way of being educated. I don't know exactly what it's referring to, but she's actually she's she's gone more. She's gone a lot farther than just thinking about it. She's actually changed the way she's being educated uh, in, in a way that deviates from the norm among the Hasidic community, and she's resembling Hanachas Ha'olam. We had that word in our first letter, Hanachas Ha'olam, the way the world does things. And we spoke about that, that uh, we, we try to resist doing things the way that the world does things. <clears throat> um, I think it's important here to mention 
Drebe must have said, I, I mean, I, I don't know, someone may be able to search this with a computer, but dozens of times, Asitut ve Shreitman. Drebe said it about many issues, very often about, uh, about Eretz Yisrael, about the security issues in the land of Israel. But Drebe would say this expression, Asitut ve, if it hurts, Shreitman, you, you, you scream out. Meaning to say, I'm not trying to rebuke you, I'm, I'm not trying to make you feel bad, God forbid. I'm in pain. And sometimes when you're in pain, you express that pain. So the Rebbe is explaining to this chassid, I expressed to your daughter my, my pain about what she's doing. Now, I don't know how old this girl was. Uh, the Rebbe says, kol kach that she's so young. Young, I don't know if it means a child or an adolescent, but the, the, the point is that the girl at a young age, what the Rebbe considers to be an inappropriately young age, is already thinking about how is she and her future family going to make a living. And it's just not right, the Rebbe says. That's, and, and, and I'm expressing my pain about that. Okay. Um, let's continue here. The Alpi Psakrazal. According to the ruling of our sages, betray Tlosa of a Chazaka. With two or three, there is a chazaka, uh, an established presumption of something being a pattern. It's actually a machlekes of Tanoim in Moran Yevomis, Daf Samech Dalad Omebeis. There's a machlekes between Rabbi and Rabbi Shimon Gamliel about whether a chazaka is twice or three times. Now, for most things, we paskin that a chazaka, in order to establish a a presumption of a, of a repeated pattern, something has to happen three times. There are times when we're machmer, like the opinion of Rebbe, and we say even something that happens twice. Uh, we already say, oh, that's enough to establish a pattern, and we have to worry that it's going to continue as a pattern. Like, for instance, where we machmer, uh, an example, if uh, a family has a bris for their child, and the child has hemophilia, and so therefore... The, the bris mila is dangerous for the child. So if that happens twice in a family, then it's presumed already, like, that's the pattern, and let's not, uh, let's not push it over here. Other things, usually it takes three times before we say, oh, that's it, it's established as a pattern. It's interesting here that Rebbe says, a chazaka al is two or three, and then the Rebbe says, hina mekeven sharisi tenuazu eitzel bitoi, I see this movement, I see this direction being taken both by your daughter and your two sons. So that's sort of a chazaka in, according to both opinions. Because if you count the boys and the girls, so he has three kids like this. And if you just count the boys, then he's got two boys like this. So two boys, three kids in total. He's Yetzirah, according to late Aladeus. Um, so we see already that your daughter, the one I was speaking about earlier, and your two sons, they're all headed in this direction. Sheikhu, may they be well. And I'm just going to read what it says. Hare Yadua, it's known. The way a child speaks, they pick it up at home. It comes from their father. This is actually... A, uh, a, a phrase that's from the end of Gemara Sukkah, from Daf Nun Vov Omed Beis. It's the famous story of Miriam Bas Bilga. And I should mention, 
the Rebbe said a sicha about Miriam Bas Bilga ten years later on Vav Tishrei. It's an incredible sicha where the Rebbe is melamed schus on, on Miriam Bas uh, Bilga and explains how really it was the, her 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 pintala yid that was crying out uh, in, and and asking for justice on behalf of the Jewish people. And that's how the Rebbe was melamed schus and made basically redeemed her and turned her into a an unlikely hero or heroine. Uh, but the simple meaning of the story is that she was a young woman who came from a family of Kehanim, a priestly family, and she intermarried with a Greek general, and she became an apostate, and uh, she said some inappropriate things about about Hashem. I'm saying the simple meaning. Obviously, there's, there's a much deeper story, and the Rebbe takes that deeper approach, and there's the, the famous, as I mentioned, Vav Tishrei from 10 years later, from uh, from Chofhei. And uh, it's very much, I'm, I'm sorry, not uh, it's from, from uh, Lamedhei, Tovshin Lamedhei, from uh, yeah, from 20 years later. Sorry, let me correct that. From 20 years after this. Uh, and it's it's on, It's uh, there, there's a recording of it, uh, and it's very worthwhile to listen to. Uh, but at any rate, the simple meaning is when a kid is speaking a certain way that's inappropriate, you can assume that they picked it up at home, and that's what happened in the story of Miriam Basbilga, that her entire uh, family was, was penalized because of the way she spoke. At any rate, I'm just reading what it says here, that Rebbe is saying, look, your two boys and your daughter, they're all sort of overly fixated on making a living and how are they gonna how are gonna, how are they gonna support themselves and they're they're very career minded. Um, maybe it's time to look inward and think about if you're giving this off somehow. And and I want to say I didn't see the letter. Nobody saw the letter except for the Rebbe that, that this person wrote. It could very well be that that he himself doesn't like it. It could very well be that he's telling the Rebbe that I don't want them to be this way. But for whatever reason it's appropriate and it's helpful to for this person to be advised that perhaps it's time for introspection. Perhaps the way that his children are heading has something to do with his influence. And in that sense, it's sort of empowering, or it's very empowering, because as you're going to see, the Rebbe is going to say, I'm not here to bemoan the past. That's the next thing the Rebbe is about to say. I'm not here to bemoan the past. I'm trying to give you some direction for the future. So, you know, I say it's empowering because if if I'm not the problem, I can't be the solution. <laughs> but if I am the problem, okay, it stings at first to hear that I'm the problem, but then that's great news because... I'm the one who's causing the problem, then I can stop causing the problem, I can start causing the solution. So it's actually good news to be told, maybe I'm the source of everything, maybe I'm the source of the problem, because if that's the case, now I can do something about it. So let's let's go further. All right. Moving gam kane, it's also understood, shalei bossi betzake ala over. I'm not bemoaning the past. Ki ain't soyekin al ha'over. Because, and the Rebbe says it like a general rule in life, we do not bemoan the past. You don't cry over spilled milk, like they say. My only intent is what? To fix things from here on out, going forward. Okay? This is not about crying what's been, about what's been. This is about how can we fix things going forward. Al koponim, at the very least, to fix things going forward, at the very least. Shaloi yatsigo. Now that Rebbe is saying, here's what you shouldn't do. 
Here's what you got to stop doing. Stop presenting things with an emphasis. Stop representing things with an emphasis. That a perfect person or a well-developed person is what? Who? He has a, a cheshben karev means not just a, a plan, but a, like an immediate plan. And yedia uh, brura means like a very clear idea. So not just in the abstract, he has a notion, maybe I'll um, become a, uh, I don't know, shoemaker. Right, no, this is like, I've got a plan, I know a guy who's ready to sell me a shoe store, and I know where it is, and I know how much money, and I know what the rent is, like he's got it all lined up. Stop presenting things that the shlemus ha'adam, that, that a person who's a, a developed person, a, a, a complete person, is a person who has really um, specific plans about how they're going to make a living. Bememistaker, uh, about how they're going to make a living. Yeah. Bememistaker is actually how they're going to make a living. You're going to see that Ebbe actually is borrowing that phrase from, from the Gemara Psachim, from Daf Nun Dalad Omid Beis, where th- this Gemara actually is famously brought in the famous Igeras uh, from the Alter Rebbe, from Igeras uh, from Tanya, from Simen Chav Beis, where the Alter Rebbe asks, Why are people coming to me asking me questions about Parnosa, about Gashmias, about material things? What am I, a Navi? Um, Although, as the Rebbe pointed out, even after the Alter Rebbe wrote that letter, he continued to accept people in Yechidus who asked such questions and continued to answer. Take that however you will. But at any rate, um, the Rebbe says here that, look, let's look into parentheses, that trying to know how you're going to make a living, like having a real substantial plan how you're going to make a living, is the opposite the opposite of what our sages tell us, that what? A person doesn't know how he's going to make a living. We don't know how the, uh, the, the, the parnosa that Hashem has allotted for us is going to make its way to us. We don't know the conduit. And we know how the Alter Rebbe explains that Gemara. If you go look there in Simichov Beis, the Alter Rebbe says there are seven things. Gemara in Psachim there that we mentioned says there are seven things that are mechusim, that are covered, meaning they're not known. One of them is a person doesn't know how he's going to make a living. The other thing, or one of the other seven things, is a person doesn't know when Mashiach, exactly when Mashiach is going to come. And the Alter Rebbe takes those two and he compares them. He says, just like nobody can tell you exactly when Mashiach is coming, so too, exactly so, is it completely unknowable how your Parnassah is going to come to you. So the Alter Rebbe equates those two as far as, their, as, the, as, far as the futility of trying to have... Uh, have knowledge about either of those two things. And uh, you see there the Alter Rebbe says the two things are equated. Okay. So it's opposite of that Maimer Chazal from Psachim and especially the way the Alter Rebbe explains it in Nigeris HaKodesh Chav Beis. And also it goes, it flies in the face of a, a Posik, of a scriptural verse, Vugam Hevich Lechem, 
the wise do not have bread. This is King Solomon is, is saying, you know, the world's a funny place. The fast guy doesn't win the, win the race and the strong guy doesn't win the war. Like the guy that you would expect that on paper, he's supposed to have it in the bag. And then that's not how reality works, right? There's always a fluke. There's always a spoiler. You never know how it works. And the Chachamim, the smart guys, you think that they're going to make money and then they don't. And the Rebbe says, When we say Chachamim, we don't mean like, necessarily, I mean, there are different pirushim, but you could say, oh, Chachamim means Torah scholar. So yeah, Torah scholar, he doesn't know how to make a living. No, even Chachamim, if you, if you translate Chachamim to mean people who are smart in how to make a living are not necessarily the ones who end up making a living. You know, Moshe uh, Reichman, all of a shalom, passed away uh, almost 10 years ago now, but he was the big uh, gvir, to put it lightly, a multi-billionaire from uh, Toronto. And he started with, with nothing. He started uh, as an immigrant with, uh, he didn't have uh, two pennies to, to rub together. And he built up a multi, multi-billion dollar enterprise. So they once uh, asked him, like, what's, what was your formula for success? How did you build a multi-billion dollar empire? So he says, the formula, it's uh, 5% seichel, you know, intelligence, and 95% mazel. And they asked him, and if you had to start from the beginning all over again, would you do anything differently? He thought, he said, yeah. The 5% seichel, I would just switch it in for another 5% of mazel. <laughs> Meaning, even, even the 5% mazel that was, was part of uh, my success, I mean, for the 5% seichel that was part of my success, forget that, I'll just, I'll just take more mazel. Because at the end of the day, it's not the seichel that helps, it's the mazel. So I'll take 100% mazel. At any rate, this, that's the point that Toyota tells us. You think you have a plan. You think you have it all worked out. Oh, you know how it's going to happen. And then that's not how it happens. All right. Now, you may argue, and the Rebbe preempts here the argument, that there is such a thing called ishtadlus and putting forth effort, and you do have to have a job. You do have to do something to create a vessel for Hashem to send His blessings. Of course, the Rebbe knows this. The Rebbe is going to preemptively, uh, what we call bavorin, the Rebbe is going to anticipate that response and answer it. Okay. And although Torah says very clearly, Hashem will bless you in everything that you do, and everything that you do. In other words, Hashem will bless you, but you have to do, you have to actually do something within which Hashem can send His blessing. Shitzarech says kli. You have to make a vessel. Okay, fine. No problem. It's not a contradiction. And if you want to hear all of this explained at length, you can go uh, listen to all of the Shara Betochen classes that we did uh, a year and a half, two years ago already. I think it's two years ago. Time flies. Um, yeah, so over there we explained this at length. The idea of hishtadlus, of putting forth natural effort, is not a stira, it's not a contradiction to the fact that ultimately everything is Hashem's blessings. We speak about it at length there in Shara Betochen, that Hashem requires deniable plausibility. <laughs> Hashem needs an alibi. He can't be caught miraculously raining bread from heaven upon us, even though that's exactly what it is. It's all bread from heaven. But it has to have a cover story. It has to look like we did it naturally. So we hide the miracle by putting forth effort. 
So that's why it's not a contradiction. It really is all Hashem's blessings, but we have to provide the alibi by putting forth uh, some natural effort. Look in the Sefer HaMitzvahs of the Tzemach Tzedek. Everyone knows the Rambam has a Sefer Mitzvahs. The Tzemach Tzedek, the third Chabad Rebbe, the, the Enochal of the Balatanya, also has a Sefer Mitzvahs. We more commonly refer to that Sefer as Derech Mitzvah Secha. And Derech Mitzvah Secha has many maimorim on individual mitzvahs. The Rebbe says, Amud Kuf Vov. Look on page 106. Uh, what mimer is that? That's the mimer Teglachas HaMetzayra, which in turn is based on, the Rebbe says, Ubelukutei Teira Kiseitzei Alakos Vigilcha Esreisha Vaasas Esaponeha Go look in the mimer in Parshas Kiseitzei about the Eishis Yafas Teira from, this is the, the Sefer Lukutei Teira, the, the mimerim of the Alter Rebbe. So there's a mimer in Derech Mitzvah from the Tzamech Tzadik, which in turn is based on a mimer in Lukutei Teira from the Alter Rebbe. One is basing it at mostly or at least the Dibra Maschal is about Eishas Yifas The other one uh, starts by speaking about the Mitzayda. They both go into the same discussion, and I don't have time to go into it right now why it's a whole discussion about hair. It starts as a whole discussion about hair and about uh, Tzimtzum, and uh, <laughs> now's not the time. At any rate, I, it's a very Gishmak Yamaimer, very enjoyable. I highly recommend learning the Glachas HaMetzayda uh, from Derech Mitzvah Secha. At any rate, uh, it explains over there that, you know, picture a person who uh, has a suit and he makes his suit bigger than necessary, you know, like a zoot suit, <laughs> like, you know, like in the, in the 40s, you know, the cool guys wore the zoot suits when there were rations because of the war effort, there were rations on material, so they wanted to show their uh, extravagance by having extra material that was totally unnecessary, so, but it's not very practical. Now imagine wearing this big suit that's way bigger than you than you need. So the Temach Tzedek, doesn't say zoot suit, but <laughs> the Temach Tzedek says, imagine you have this suit that's way bigger than you need, and then what happens? You end up tripping on it. So did it serve a purpose? No, it was counterproductive. So too, um, the Hishtadlis, the natural means that we put forth to create a vessel, for Hashem's blessings, the blessings are going to take hold in whatever size vessel we put out. But if the vessel's too big, it becomes unwieldy, it becomes burdensome, we trip on it, it gets in the way. So that's, that's the, the, the allegory that it uses over there in the Temach Tzedek's Mimer. Let's continue. So what I'm hoping is that from now on, Yagishu Gambonov. I hope that your children will also be sensitive to the fact that really everything depends on the infinite one who has no end. And he is the one, the infinite one, he is the one who guarantees that if you go in my ways, if you follow my mitzvahs, then I will give you rain in its time. I will give you the proper parnosa, the right parnosa in the right time. Okay, But it's all depending on Hashem. It's not depending on having some smart plan about how you're going to make a living, especially when you're such a young person and it's such a waste of, of headspace to be thinking about these things right now. Okay, let's continue. We'll wrap it up. Um, 
Here's the Rebbe lamenting about the waste of time that young people in their in their formative years are spending thinking about things that really are not going to help them out in life. They're thinking about plans, how they're going to have a career, how they're going to make parnasa. They're in their formative years. They could be spending that time so much more usefully continuing to learn Torah. And the Rebbe says that will benefit them not only spiritually, but materially. Let's, let's look inside. Those hours that your sons spend learning, meaning learning Torah, and those virtues, those qualities that they're going to pick up from the, the, the people who are teaching them uh, Torah. That's actually going to be far more appropriate for whatever it is that they need, both materially and spiritually. So I'm not telling you, okay, I'm sorry, you're going to have to have you're going to have to suffer, you're going to have to have a lack of materiality, and you're just going to have to sacrifice yourself, and you're going to have to have all spirituality. But I'm, just saying, I'm not saying that. To the contrary, I'm trying to, I want you to have the best of both worlds. <laughs> I'm trying to help you here. So the best thing, the most productive thing for a young person right now, focus on the spiritual, and that will be good for both the spiritual and the material. Because after all, at the end of the day, Hashem is the one who provides parnosa. It's not the smart people who make money. Reichman said, I would trade, it, trade in even the 5% seichel, I'd trade in for more mazel. V'ashem yisborech yatzlichai, lirais reiv nachas chesidusi b'chol yeitzech halotzov. Hashem should bless you to see much chesidish anachas from all of your descendants. Mitoich harchova, or rather, mitoich harchovas hadas, I should say, Harchava could imply material prosperity, but it's interesting here that Rebbe wishes him Harchavas Hadas, which means mental prosperity, so to speak. You know what that means? It means having a broad mind. Sometimes we call it in Yiddish, clean kite, narrow-mindedness. And you just get very fixated, very myopic, and you can't see the forest for the trees. <clears throat> so the Rebbe is wishing him that he should have lots of nachas from his kids, and he should have harchovas adas, he should have a broad mind, ubrius hanachayna, and good health. Vivracha with blessing. And that's our letter for tonight.